Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Rich Eisen Show. I'll I'll shoot you straight, as I always uh, like to say before I shoot you straight. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. And the NBA, bless them, keeps on doubling down on their all-star game. Really did that. That's what you did. Hoisting up 70-footers. That's what we're doing here. Today's guests, ESPN college basketball analyst Jay Billis, former New Jersey senator and two-time NBA champion Bill Bradley, actor Mackay Pfeiffer, and now it's Rich Eisen. That's right. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show, live on the Roku channel. This Rich Eisen Show, terrestrial radio affiliate, Sirius XM Odyssey, our podcast listeners, we say hello to you because you deserve to be said hello to. <laughs> um, it's a cumulus podcast network is, uh, is, is what puts on our show every single day, all three hours that re-airs on the Roku channel. There's our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show, the Rich Eisen Show collection page as well as fancy way to say, hey, we're on demand on the Roku channel as well, channel 210. Uh, I'm excited about today's guest list. Jay Billis is on this program. I'll be straight up. I'll be straight up. Um, It's uh, February uh, 20th, um, 2024. Uh, We're we're nine days removed from the Super Bowl. And uh, this is the time I'm I'm like, oh, what what is happening in college basketball? (laughs) Certainly since I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan and there's really not much to follow on that front, to be straight up. Um, and, and, and five back together. so here, I, well, I mean, it would be, and that was, by the way, I think two wins ago on January 15th when they beat Ohio state. Ooh. So, uh, that said, uh, I'm, I'm going to get Jay Billis on this program. Cause it's also one of those things where last night I'm sitting around, I'm like, who do I want to talk to on the program? <laughs> and Jay was the guy because, uh, I'm curious to know what he's got to say about everything going on in college athletics. We saw the college football world have a guy just up the 405 from us and Chip Kelly saying, you know what? Don't want to be a head coach anymore. That's so crazy. <laughs> and, um, you know, and and so he's now an offensive coordinator at the Ohio State. Uh, Jeff Hathley of uh, Boston College. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go to the Green Bay Packers and be the defensive coordinator. And and it's like, what's up with that? And 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 is that sort of stuff maybe going to happen in the college basketball world, where NIL and transfer portals and things of that nature are are definitely taking root as well? And clearly, we'll also talk about the men's college basketball season and what's going on in women's college basketball with Jay Billis, and that is going to be in just about eighteen minutes' time on this program. Uh, I'm also genuinely excited to be talking uh, with a, a gentleman who is royalty in my household, 
back in the day, certainly uh, amongst my brother and I uh, as diehard Nick fans. Bill Bradley's on this program. And uh, Bill and I, uh, if I may say, um, we, we once starred in a Sports Center commercial together with Stuart Scott. Really? Back in the 90s. Yeah. So we did that. That's cool. We did that together. Um, and uh, he was a senator from across the, uh, I guess, what would be the, the, the um, I forget what's the name of the, the, the body of water that has three bridges going over it. The Kilvan Cull, I believe, from between Staten Island and New Jersey. Uh, Bill Bradley will be joining us on this program. His uh, movie, Rolling Along, an American Story, is available on Max, available on Roku. He wrote and performed it. And I can't wait to talk with him about uh, everything going on in his world and, of course, basketball with Bill Bradley. And then Mackay Pfeiffer's on this program. I love doing this show, man. Who Who's going to throw Jay Billis, Bill Bradley, and Mackay Pfeiffer in the same uh, guest list? I'll, say, I'll just say, uh, like the Harbaugh's would say, nobody. Nobody. And Mackay Pfeiffer's in studio. We'll talk eight mile with him. We'll talk about ER with him, clockers with him. Um, and, uh, and of course, his new venture, Lights Out, which is available in theaters on digital and demand. It was released last week. He'll be here in studio. I also have a top five list hey. about the uh, National Football League every single year. It's kind of a tradition unlike any other. We have Jay Billis come on and say, hey, what is going on in your world that you're locked in on? on? I'm going to basically insult you by asking you, what? <laughs> update me. Um, and so that's a, a tradition unlike any other. And he's kind enough to do it again for us. And uh, another one is uh, is uh, to look at the non-playing season, as we say in the NFL, top off-season storylines. And um, I figure we're we're this is we're officially in the off-season in the NFL. I'll explain why as well in a second. Good to see you, Chris Brockman. Good hello, to be seen. What's up, Rich? Sorry, took me five minutes to say yeah, hello. It's to all you. good. It's <laughs> raining again, it's, so you know. I know we're collecting animals by two again. Kind of whack. The, we should rename one of the the franchises here, the Atmospheric Rivers. Man, seriously. Um, good to see you, hey, Jay Felly. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> TJ, good to see you, sir. Hey. Candles already been lit. Candles lit. This is no movie. It's no Mackay Pfeiffer. Nice. Hey. Okay. Oh, my life. This is going to be fun later on in this program. We've got a great celebrity, true or false, with Mackay. So, uh, by the way, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Have a chat with us today. We're eager to, to chit-chat with you if, uh, if you like. If you like. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal for you. Um, in the, in the offseason in the NFL, um, we're hunting and pecking for everything. I'm not going to lie. We're hunting and pecking for anything to see if there's anything that can shed any light on anything. And frequently, uh, it happens uh, by somebody getting bored. <laughs> somebody is bored enough to essentially notice what's going on with somebody's social media accounts. Now, somebody might make it obvious, like say, if you recall the Super Bowl that the Rams beat the Bengals in right here in this town, that week began on the Monday of Super Bowl week with Kyler Murray blowing out his entire Instagram That's right. <laughs> photo collection. With the exception of, I think, him with C.D. Lamb at the Pro Bowl and then just a, a picture of him and just blew out everything to do with the Arizona Cardinals and anything else that he had done with the Arizona Cardinals in his first few years there because he Deleted wanted the bio, right? He, he wanted a new contract. He wanted a new everything. He wanted, he, he wanted a fresh start, it appeared. And sure enough, if you recall, things kind of blew up and then he did get a contract. 
and so on and so forth. So some players make it obvious. And then others need to be bored. Like a, a handful of individuals, for some reason, went on Justin Fields' Instagram account and searched his following column for the word Chicago. And came up empty. Hey. <laughs> and came up empty with bears, too. Came up empty. Now, forget that he may never follow the Chicago Bears Instagram account. We're assuming he did. But somebody also then decided to pop in. I guess Action Network HQ did this part. Uh, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson follows them. Now, he could be tight with them. Might be friendly with them. Or? I don't know. Did, <laughs> did somebody go down the entire Falcons roster? Those are the three players that kind of stand out. I get it. On that team. Well, Kyle Pitts uh, physically stands out. He's <laughs> yeah. a very tall man. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're uh, Tyler Algier, you're like, what? what I'm, I mean, don't you remember? I used to, I, I'm the vulture around here. You know? You, are you popping it in there, uh, yeah, too? Yeah, I'm looking right now. You don't even know what his Instagram handle would look like well, I'm just anyway. literally typing in his name. Okay, very good. I mean, he maybe wants to vulture this segment. <laughs> he does not follow Tyler. Okay, sure. how, how do you know? Well, I'm, look, I just typed in Tyler in a field's following. Oh, okay, great. But, so. okay. Like, you know that that's <laughs> the word Tyler would be in, in Algier's uh, uh, handle. You never know. At any rate, <laughs> we're looking for anything. Did Justin Fields never follow the Chicago Bears Instagram account? Because this is the time of year where underneath the radar, remember I keep saying that there's always an iceberg and we only see the tip of said iceberg. This would be the time of year where the Chicago Bears would give Justin Fields a slight heads up that they are going to be grinding tape on the quarterbacks in this year's draft. And I bet you they had already told him by this point last year, you can exhale. We're not going to go for any of these kids in this year's draft. What we're going to do is we're going to stick with you and we're going to find out what we can get for the first overall pick. They might have they might have already grinded the tape. They might not have even been interested in grinding the tape. And just understand, let's let everything marinate at the combine and then strike when that iron gets hot. When the Carolina Panthers call up and say, we'll give you all of this for your first overall pick. And at the time, nobody thought in a million years that would mean the Bears would get the first overall pick again this year, too. Because this one's a different ball of wax. Because this one has Caleb Williams in the draft. And I believe the Bears are not going to just tell Justin Fields by this point in time, you're in the clear. And now you got to wonder, has he already been informed of this? You got to wonder anything like this off of, again, we have no idea if he followed Justin, if he, if he didn't follow the bears, he doesn't. I mean, how many people does he follow? A 778. Well, you have to figure, did you pop in Falcons? Did you pop in Atlanta in there as well? No, no Falcons. Okay. There you go. But it would make sense. That would be too obvious. No, I, I, Bottom line is, 
let's be straight up. Caleb Williams and starting the clock again with Caleb Williams works. It makes sense. By starting the clock again, I mean you're paying him year one of a five-year deal. Okay? And you're, you know, where you're, you you have contractual control for him for not just five years. You could even franchise tag him six and seven. You could basically tell Caleb Williams, you're coming to Chicago and um, you should buy, not rent. And you tell Justin Fields, listen, we enjoyed our time together. Where do you want to go? Or we'd love to send you to the AFC or something along those lines. And then you figure that out. And then I'm, I've am i always looked at this timeline. The new league year begins March 13th. That is around the corner. That is when teams like, say, the Falcons are going to make a decision on, do we go the free agent route? They're grinding whatever their decision-making with their new head coach, Raheem Morris, right now about their quarterback situation. Are they going to go and try and run it back with Desmond Ritter? Or are they going to go ahead and figure out what to do with their draft? Do they go and move up for a quarterback? Do they stand pat and go take a quarterback? That's not till late April. You've got to make a decision on a free agent situation right now. And if you're the Chicago Bears, you're going to want to use that moment around the new league year to try and strike while the iron's hot. You're going to use that. Does Denver want Justin Fields? Sean Payton told us at the at the Super Bowl, Friday of the Super Bowl, they haven't even had their meetings on the quarterback situation yet. And and if their quarterback's in the building, he says it consider he would consider Russ still. You have to, is what he said. I did point out to him that, you know, it seems like the train left the station because you benched him. And he basically said, Russ wants to be here, which counts for something. We'll see. And then, as we know, Russ put his monster manse up for sale. But what I'm saying is that the, if somebody wants to wait till the draft, that's their decision. I don't believe Justin Fields is going to go into draft week still being a Chicago Bear. I just don't think so. And so that decision is going to have to be made in the middle of March, by the middle of March. And it would make sense, however, for Chicago to, if they want, let the combine go through and let everybody see all the kids, and maybe they're not sold on as many of them, and they're like, okay, Justin Fields makes a lot of sense for us, and then they can get a little bit more for Justin Fields. What I'm saying to you is, though, if the Bears are up front, if Fields is asked or his representatives have asked, what are you going to do? And the answer isn't coming back. Hey, he's our guy. Just sit tight. We're just going to extract as much as we can from Washington because Caleb's from there. They would love to have him. Cliff Kingsbury is sitting there. They're attached at the hip last year in USC. Hey, guess what, Justin? You're going to be the guy. We're going to get a whole King's ransom. We'll just not go for Caleb Williams. We'll get you Marvin Harrison Jr. How do you like Marvin Harrison Jr. to go along with DJ Moore? And then a whole host of draft choices that we might use to get your offensive line beefed up. We'll pick up your fifth-year option, and you continue to buy, not rent. Don't know if somebody who's potentially unfollowed 
Chicago on the Instagram account and somehow follows the three most important offensive weapons in Atlanta has been told such a thing. All speculation. All I'm saying is the chit-chatter starts now. Behind the scenes. So when somebody's bored and starts popping into their Instagram search (laughs) engine, names like Chicago and Bears and London and Drake and Kyle Pitts and Bijan, poof, you got something to talk about on February 20th. He Speak. still follows Darnell Mooney, I'm just saying. Mooney? He still follows Mooney. You, can, you can't unfollow Mooney, no. baby. It's a, can't do it. I mean, you can still be friends with these guys. You don't DJ hold it Moore, against... I'm literally scrolling all no, of you don't followers. Follow, you don't hold it against them. No, I understand. Also, I have friends I don't follow on, on Instagram. But you can't sit here and say yeah. the Bears have just already made their decision. We're not even going to go into the combine. I mean, they, they got us meet the kid, right? I mean, he follows Mike Vick. I mean, come on. Falcons. There you go. Lock it in. Taylor does he, Heineke. Does he follow? He follows uh, Heineke. Does he follow uh, uh, Duckett and um, and Dunn too? <laughs> nice. Is Jamal Anderson on his follows? Hold on, let's nice. Go. All right, stop. Let's 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 now, now we've taken it too far, guys. Why? Because Jay Billis is waiting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Let's take a break. We'll talk NCAA future, present, and obviously the men's game. Uh, and where things stand now that uh, I'm paying attention. <laughs> back. That's next. <laughs> Our buddy Jay joins us from South Florida, apparently. We'll ask him what's up with that in a sec. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road, and I should know. They kept my car on the road, and they do it with a smile on their face. They offer friendly service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs, and that comes in so welcome when your car needs to be put back together and they do it with a smile so you know you're being taken care of. They got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And guess what? You should not miss Power Torque Tools DIY days at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Power Torque hand tools come in with a lifetime guarantee. And right now, you can save big on Power Torque hand tools, power tools, jacks, and more. Get great deals on a wide range of power torque jacks and jack stands, including two-ton jack stands and up to three-and-a-half-ton floor jacks. Let the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts help you find the right power torque tools for your next DIY project. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, so Bill Bradley's going to join us in the middle of hour two. We're going to go down memory lane with him, man. Nice. Do you know he won the gold medal in the 1964 Olympic Games in Japan? Do you know who was on his uh, on his team was a five foot ten guard named Larry Brown? Whoa. Yeah, man. Eighteen years in the Senate as well. And then, of course, man, I mean, I, I, 
it, 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 his, his neck years were just, that was it growing up in New York. He was a legend, him and him and Clyde. I can't wait to hear his opinion of uh, Brunson. I'm sure I, I, it'll be as glowing as it should be. Bill, yeah, he goes to every now and then. I'll see on the MSG broadcast. He's there. Nice. Oh yeah. Maybe why wouldn't you? He doesn't pay for tickets, right? You just walk right in. But he just uses his face the same way I cover mine to get an right, MSG. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he uses his face. He's like. By the way, speaking of uh, speaking of that, uh, I saw at the Fanatics Super Bowl party Charles Oakley. Oh, nice, dude. I mean, he's been here, so I just yeah. forgot how absolutely monstrously large that he is. Mm-hmm. He he is he six ten? Is he that big? Six nine. I think six he nine. That was his listed. Height, and I just think. built like the old proverbial brick, you know what house? He just looked like honestly, this is the tallest I've I've seen another human being. He looked like Jonathan Ogden, big. <laughs> we saw Ogden walking around Radio when? Row yeah. at the Super Bowl. Too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked Chris, Big why are they Gio? carrying him? And he was like, no, he's just walking. He's just he walking. Like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. just the guy who's just up there. Yeah. Six Oakley eight. was there, Oakley. too. Good Lord. He's all of that. <laughs> Oakley wasn't the third throw he's not. He's not hunched over. <laughs> no doubt. Back on the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network, sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. You know, now that the uh, Super Bowl is over, this just in nine days. It's been apparently 189 days until uh, the opening game of the yeah, NFL season. That, but who's that. counting? 67 until the draft. Oh gosh. Um, so having a, uh, this man on uh, is kind of like a tradition, unlike any other. Where where we we surf back into the the world of college basketball, and there's nobody better. The premier voice, Ford, is back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Our good friend Jay Billis joining us here. How are you, Jay? I'm doing great, Rich, and that that's a standard Sports Center line after the Super Bowl at the Sports Center anchor say. And now we turn our attention to college basketball as if we haven't been playing all this time. Well, you know what I'm, I, and I know it's somewhat of an offense since obviously that's your life, you know. And here I'm like, hey, you know, I've really been paying attention to what you've been up to. So let me ask you what you've been up to. And uh, I've been offending people uh, that way since 1996 when I first said those words on Sports Center, Jay. So, you know, way back in the day, I probably Dick Vitale once upon a time was like, what the hell is he talking about? But at any rate, um, but UConn is sitting atop, right? Uh, like a Colossus right now. What their second longest streak at number one uh, in the history of their program. Jay, correct? Yeah, I th- UConn's kind of separated from the pack. And early on in the season, they had some injuries. Uh, Stefan Castle, their big shot freshman, was out. Uh, they had Donovan Klingon out for a period of time. They lost at Kansas with guys injured. And still, uh, I think early on in the season, everybody was saying, you know, schleps like me were saying, their offense is Final Four good, but their defense has a ways to go. And now the, both their offense and defense are Final Four good. I, I think they're asserting that. Uh, even though they have different parts than they had last year, they lost a lot, but they replaced it. And uh, they're legit. They're, they're the best team. Now, whether uh, Purdue or Houston or Arizona can catch up to them, uh, everybody's subject to getting clipped in the tournament. That can happen to the best teams. But, uh, uh, you know, in a seven-game series, I think I think the smart money would be on UConn. So then in terms of uh, clipping somebody, I mean, at this point last year, if I say, tell me who can come out of nowhere and win it, would you have said UConn, right? I mean, so, uh, but that said, I'll, I'll still ask you, 
where things currently stand mid-February with you? Well, I mean, I, I, I think we have more. I, I've always recoiled when I heard the, the word parody years ago because I felt parody was something that coaches said to excuse losing. And because there wasn't parity, I mean, parity essentially means equality and there's not equality across the board uh, among the big shots in college basketball. But this year, uh, I'm, I'm starting to say, you know what, it's starting to look like that. It's harder to win this year on the road than it's been in past years. It's always been hard, but this year the numbers, uh, prove that it's been harder. And I, I think the, there, there's not enough data rich to, make a conclusion here, but my sense is that the transfer portal and to some extent NIL have spread talent around uh, even more. And that's what most fans said they wanted. You know, they wanted parity and they have it. But UConn uh, is is just a little bit better than everybody else right now. Purdue is not far off, but, uh, you know, they're not the most athletic group. And, and I think they're subject to get beat. Uh, a little bit more than UConn would be uh, in a tournament setting. Um, I, I would say that that we've got a bunch of teams out there just below the top four or five that all kind of look the same. And uh, as far as what they've accomplished and what they're capable of, I do think that yeah, obviously getting hot at the right time and being healthy at the end of the season and you know fresh mind, fresh legs are going to be important. But as far as selection and seeding, the committee is going to be, I would guess, is going to be relying mostly upon, all right, who stacked up more quality wins than the other? I mean, how are they going to tell these teams apart except saying this team had a better road record, therefore they're a four seed, this other team's a five seed. There's really no other way to do it. You can't look at these teams play and say, okay, Texas is better than Texas Tech um, because their records are so similar. Jay Billis here on the Rich Eisen Show. That was going to be my follow-up question. You kind of hit on it, so let's expand on it, is how NIL and Transfer Portal has affected college basketball, so much being focused on the world of college football, the SEC and the Big Ten getting together, saying we're going to have an advisory committee on so many of these subject matters. So how do you see it hitting the college basketball world, Jay? Well, I I think it's going to do the same thing it's done in football. I mean, the Transfer Portal has meant that big shot players that are playing on a lower level, uh, maybe mid-major or below, are transferring up. And uh, uh, one of the best examples of that is Dalton Connect at uh, at Tennessee. Uh, He was at Northern Colorado. And the truth is, Rich, I saw him play two, maybe three times. And the reason I did was I was watching uh, the game because there was an NBA prospect playing on the other team. And that's how I saw Dalton Connect. Uh, I wouldn't have seen him otherwise. So he transfers to Tennessee. He's the best player in the league, and he's going to be a a lottery pick uh, in this year's NBA draft. Uh, And there are a number of stories like that where uh, these players who are under-recruited out of high school, went to a mid-major, have transferred to major college teams, power five, power six teams, and they're their leading scorers. They're great players. Uh, And we're seeing that more and more. And in today's landscape, you know, you hear the coaches at a mid-major level saying, look, we invested all this in this player and the player gets really good and then he leaves. Well, isn't that what coaches do at the mid-major level? (laughs) They win and then they, you know, of course they do and they should. Um, Why should a player be relegated to a certain level based upon where he was projected out of high school? Uh, So that's, that's helped. And you've seen major conference players that didn't play as much go down to the mid-major level and they're doing really well. 
Um, so it, it's, I think it's been overall a good thing for the players. Coaches don't like it because they, they claim, you know, you, you always hear the thing about, well, there's no loyalty anymore. And it's transactional as if it wasn't transactional before. And how do you build relationships? You know, you, you think all these guys should go coach in high school if they want relationships. Um, it's business and the players are participating in the business now. And, uh, and I think it's worked out just fine. Well, we're seeing in college football, Jay, um, Chip Kelly just left UCLA as the head coach of UCLA to take a gig, to be an OC at Ohio state after knocking on the door of the NFL to become an offensive coordinator. We saw Boston colleges head coach leave to be a defensive coordinator in green Bay. And, and the general sense is that, they went from one form of football uh, where there are fewer rules to the pros where there are more rules as to where you can um, have a free agent or when you can have a free agent and and that it, it seems to be an easier gig in the pros. I'm wondering if you're hearing that from college coaches as well. You're hearing it as an excuse. Uh, my thing is, hey, if you want to, if you want to leave your job, go ahead. If players getting paid is so difficult for you to wrap your head around, then go. I mean, nothing's stopping you. Go ahead. I mean, I don't know the Chip Kelly, uh, Chip Kelly situation at UCLA. Did he leave before he was pushed, or was he well, leaving because of NIL? I think I mean, it I don't was a little that. bit of both, Jay. I mean, I th- and 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 it's not just. I don't think they have a problem with kids getting paid. I think they just have a problem with with kids being told it's an inducement. You understand how NIL wasn't supposed to be really an inducement. And then there's really no rules. Like a kid could be told, hey, you can get paid this. And then somebody comes in in a transfer portal. That kid then doesn't get paid. He doesn't get the job he was promised and things of that nature. And that there's really no rules around how, how you pay the kids and, and, and when a kid can actually leave and they're having some issues with that. And that's why there's commissions being formed on this subject. That's now. fine. That's fine. And good luck with it. But the, the solution is simple. And the NCAA and the member institutions just don't want to do it. The, the, the solution is sign the players to contracts. They're employees. And you can sign them to a contract and put a buyout in it if you want, just like with coaches. I mean, the Boston College coach left to go to the NFL. First of all, he had NFL ties before that. He was in the NFL before he went to Boston College. But but then you saw somebody leave from the NFL to go to Boston College. So what does that say? Um, it, it th- This, to me, is just, you know, kind of – and I love all these coaches, but it's just more coach complaining. Um, they're making a ton of money. Things have changed. Adjust to it. And it's not that big of a deal. But if the NCAA wants to fix this, they can fix it tomorrow. All they have to do is take off all restrictions for schools paying their athletes, and they would sign them to contracts just like they do coaches and administrators and all that. It's really not that difficult. But we're trying to walk the line of maintaining amateurism, which is dead. And then we're complaining about NIL. It's not what we thought it was going to be. What did they think was going to happen? You know, it, like I knew this was going to happen and you and I talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the schools want to pay the players. They want to have the best players and they're going to do what it takes to get them and they're going to compete in the marketplace to do it. And once players are allowed to be paid by you know, and, and this unilateral wage restriction that the NCAA is using, which is violative of federal antitrust law, uh, things will normalize. 
and it, it, we won't have to worry about the transfer portal. You sign a player to a contract, put a buyout in it, put conditions in it that are bargained between the player and the institution. It won't be a problem anymore. Uh, just like they don't worry about coaches transferring from one school to another. They pay their buyout. It's orderly. And everybody knows what the market is. It's just not that big of a deal. And Rich, the NCAA has got a freight train coming down the tracks right at it. And uh, it's called the House Case. And it's being uh, it's being litigated by a lawyer named Jeffrey Kessler, who oh, won the boy. Austin case. Yes. And, and that's for damages for um, uh, TV revenues and the like. So the NCAA is looking at a judgment in that case of, of four or five billion dollars. And, uh, and that means their rules are going to be tossed out as well. So they're going to do this. It's just a question of whether they're forced to do it by the courts, whether they're forced to do it by state and federal legislation. But their only hope right now is to, and they're spending a ton of money doing it. They're lobbying Congress to get an antitrust exemption so they can continue doing what they've been doing, which the courts have said is illegal. The Supreme Court said, you know, the NCAA is not above federal antitrust law. And that was a pretty clear signal that that it's over and they don't they don't want to admit it. Jay Bellis here on the Rich Eisen Show. Yeah, I mean, so many fans hear about collectives, right, at schools, collectives, and that uh, where folks are getting together and raising money, essentially, um, and helping keep teams intact where players might not go pro earlier than that. I mean, how does, I, I guess collectives would be over under the concept of just a collective bargaining, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. And the collectives, yes. The collectives sprang up, Rich. I didn't anticipate this. I knew it would come in some form. I just didn't know it would come in the form of collectives. The collective sprang up so that schools could uh, offer money to players under the NIL rules um, and do it in a way that made it seem like it's outside the school. It's not like these collectives are, are going out and recruiting players that the coach doesn't want. They are working in tandem uh, with these collectives. And but but it's really no different than when a fan base wants to get rid of a coach. and The coach has a big buyout. The, the fans raise the money for the school to do it uh, in certain instances. So th that's the way. To, and you hear people use the term unsustainable. It's unsustainable for the schools to have to go back to the well to all these big donors and raise money every year. Well, if it's unsustainable, then don't do it. Um, I don't I don't understand the problem here. The schools want to pay the players. That's been proven by the fact that these collectives are all over the place. And you have coaches now that are going to their fan bases saying, hey, to remain competitive, we need you to give money so we can uh, fund our collective and pay the players. Um, it, it's not a big deal to pay them. They, they know they're going to do it and they just need to bite the bullet and go ahead and do it. And I'm telling you, Rich, like this will not be a problem. The, the problem will be administrators know what's going to happen. They know that that once players are allowed to be paid, that the business is going to start being run efficiently and they're going to start putting money where it matters, which is on the field or on the court and player acquisition and paying the, the best coaches. All these administrative positions that are basically bank vice presidents are going to go away. And when private equity comes in, when these schools start selling their programs to private equity, private equity is going to come in and say, hey, man, we bought this income stream. You are going to eliminate all these needless expenses. 
and we're going to see an efficient business like you see in the NFL and the NBA. It's already the NFL and the NBA. The only difference is the uh, the NFL and the NBA do not um, restrict what the players make. And, and there are salary caps, but those are bargained between the players and the league, and the players get 50% of the league revenues. And uh, college sports doesn't want that. Uh, they don't want to give 50% of their revenues to the players, but but we're headed more in that direction. I don't know that we'll ever get to collective bargaining uh, or there'd be, there'd be a union or a trade association to bargain with, but that's where we're headed. Well, I mean, isn't, if I'm not mistaken, Dartmouth already trying to unionize or, or has gotten the green light? To do something yes. like that, I mean. So the question is: is 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 when does all this happen? I mean, you mentioned the the name of the lawyer Jeffrey Kessler. Anybody who follows the NFL and their uh, labor battles and collective bargaining agreements knows that the word Jeffrey Kessler is potentially a four letter word for a lot of owners in the NFL. So he means business, and he usually gets the way that he wants. So what what what's the timeline on all this? Is we're getting set for a a, uh, a college football season with 12 playoff teams and yet another men's. And by the way, the women's game is absolutely exploding. Uh, as we saw Sabrina Ionescu against Steph Curry, Caitlin Clark setting uh, a major record and then sparking a conversation as to whether she's great or not and things of that nature. Uh, I mean, this is all exploding right now. What's the timeline on it, Jay? It. It depends, Rich, if we continue to go the legal route through the courts and and through legislatures. That'll take a little bit longer. The House case is the linchpin in all this. So it's a group of players that are suing in a class action for damages um, for being cut out of of sharing in revenues over all these decades. And the the damages are going to be in the billions. And then in antitrust cases, those damages are tripled. Mm. So the NCAA is going to lose that case. And I think they know it. Uh, in fact, I know they know it. Uh, so the, the, the best thing to do for the NCAA is go to Kessler and settle the case and say, we're going to they know they're going to have to pay a lot of money. Uh, it, you know, they'll, they'll be able to settle it short of the four or five billion dollars they're they're very likely to lose a trial. And who, who gets that money, Jay? Just not to interrupt. The players. Who? The players. Like players from the last, the, for the last 10, 20 years and things of that nature? Yes. Yes. They're members of a class. So it's a class action. So anybody who, who gets certified as part of that class is going to share in that judgment. Okay. And, you know, there's a, there's a big question as to where's the money going to come from? Like how are the schools going to pony up? but they're going to be liable for it. And, but I think the best thing to do is go to Kessler and say, look, here's the the money amount that we'd like to propose paying, but also we're going to change, we're going to, we're going to work with you to change the system and, and say, here's what we're going to do going forward. There's nothing stopping the NCAA from changing their rules tomorrow. They just don't want to, Uh, but now they're going to have to, you know, they've got this, uh, they've got this weight on them uh, with this house case and other litigation and they're going to lose. And absent Congress coming in and giving them a federal law that preempts all these state laws and, uh, and you know, make some of this litigation. Like, I don't think there's any federal law that could stop that litigation. Uh, so they, they may be on the hook for those damages anyway. But going forward, if they got some kind of federal law, they may be protected uh, and, and not subject to antitrust problems in the future. But given that Congress can't pass anything right now, what's the realistic hope 
that they're going to come in and take on college sports and how would they enforce it? Like the, the federal government doesn't want to be overseeing college sports and have to enforce any law that they pass. So they can talk about a new law all they want to. The, the issue is going to be government enforcement of that law. So the timeline, just to put a point on it, would be what do you think? Where where things completely change and blow up and and we're going to have to take a look at the athletics differently. The house case is scheduled to go. The house case is scheduled to go to trial at some point in 2025. So we're looking at a period of a few years here. Uh, I think the prudent thing is to to do things now Mm -hmm. and uh, and get moving on it. But when has the NCAA done the prudent thing? Um, (laughs) They've made so many just horrific mistakes, including uh, petitioning the Supreme Court for the Alston case. That was profoundly stupid. And they got they got crushed nine to nothing, including a concurring opinion by Justice Kavanaugh that the NCAA said, well, that's not law. Uh, it, it may not be law, but every lower court is looking at that and they're taking direction from it. So, um, it, it, I mean, look, it's over. The players are going to be paid. The question is, uh, you know, how soon will the NCAA uh, wake up to this and, and take their heads out of the sand and do something about it? And right now it looks as, as if they're just trying to, you know, keep going as long as they can and hope that there's some miracle out there for them from Congress. And and I'm not sure it's coming. I don't think it is. Well, in the meantime, Duke, Miami, right? Coming up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're doing that get, game. You're, you're ready to yeah, roll. Doing that Wednesday night in Miami and get to do a game with good weather where I don't have to worry about snow and all that. It's kind of nice. Fantastic. Jay, I really appreciate it. Um, like I, I told you off camera, I'll say it here too. You know, where uh, I'm, I'm like, I, I have not spoken to Jay in a while. And who do I want to talk to uh, on, on this Tuesday? And you were that guy. And I appreciate you taking my call. You're the best. Well, you're speaking. You're speaking to all my fellow actors like Dolph Lundgren, and I figured, you know, oh, the that's star right. no, of that once again, movie no, should you, have been in it. You texted what, what you were. What, what what is this again? You were in what film with Dolph? Jay. The film was called "I Come in Peace." It was around 1988-89. Uh-huh. It came out. I played an alien cop in the movie and had a death scene with Dolph Lundgren and Brian Benben in a in the back of a car. Uh, where my head exploded, and uh, and it was Oscar worthy. I got snubbed by the Academy, and I'm still not over. I can see. So you and Dolph had uh, any chit chat uh, when the cameras weren't on, Jay? You had one of those. A little bit. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was. Uh, you know, the best part was when you know Dolph is a martial arts expert, and uh, he had a fight scene with a bunch of. Uh, uh, stuntman mm-hmm. and he had to do a roundhouse kick and he was wearing cowboy boots and he missed he he didn't execute the kick as uh as precisely as he wanted to and he wound up kicking the guy in the face <laughs> and uh it was pretty pretty jarring i mean that dude that dude could fight okay so who'd you learn more uh act about acting from dolph lundgren or ken howard in your white shadow uh oh, ken howard okay ken howard he okay. was a he was a, a savant so that that that's really where it all started was with the white jacket. <laughs> that's the origin story. Jay, you're the best man. Take care. We'll chat again soon, please. Always a pleasure. Yeah, right back at you. The great Jay Billis of ESPN right here on the Rich Eisen show. <laughs> so it all started. All right, we'll take a break. 844-204-Rich, number to dial my top five. Top spring NFL storylines before Bill Bradley joins us. Mackay Pfeiffer in studio in hour three. So much more to come on this rainy Tuesday in Los Angeles. 
Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. So, Jay Billis just mentioned this. Our crack staff has unearthed the movie poster of I Come in Peace. It's not a close encounter. It's the last. <laughs> it's the last. It's the last encounter. encounter. Right, right. And there's well, Jay Billis right there. I never would have guessed that. Doesn't look like he was coming in peace. No, he looks possessed. Oh, wow, there he is. Whoa! Is that like a flamethrower situation, or is that like a ray gun? He really lost himself in character. Let me just say here. Quite a forehead. Uh, Was he bald back then? I was about to say this. I was about to say this. (laughs) He played good alien Azak. Good alien. As opposed to the bad alien. He was was fighting for peace. Yeah, he came. But I I, I would just say this. Next time we, we, we talk, I'll just tell the Jay. Like, if I'm going to play an alien, Right, which means clearly I'm not me. Wouldn't you want a little bit on top? Full coverage, right? Fighting for his hairline. That's what I'm saying. It's just like even even his (laughs) even his alien version of himself is still bald. Still bald. (laughs) He'd been less intimidating with a full head of hair like that haircut. Tells me I don't want to mess with uh, this. Guess dude. what? Hmm. If I was an alien, <laughs> okay. playing an alien, I wouldn't care about the intimidation factor. I'd say put something on top. Yeah, but you're an alien trying to raise a ruckus. Like, but also I, I, I can't be afraid of you. There's no, I, I can't ever make anybody afraid of me. Ever. <laughs> what kind of hair would you want? Ever. Even my, even when I'm serious with my kids, they start laughing at me. Have you ever taken the? Have you ever made them go get a switch off a tree? Definitely didn't. One time. That's all it'll take. Definitely be free to No, 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 no. That's Switch. not the way it works. They work for me. Okay. Good enough. <laughs> Didn't work on the Great Escape either. Trying to be mysterious. Everybody's like, really? This guy? I'm not scared. Back on the Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial here on the program. You need a neck tattoo. So, uh, by the way, during during the conversation we just had with Jay Billis, the college football playoff committee got the green light from a uh, a group of let's get this correct here um the uh, group of uh, all the FBS commissioners and the Notre Dame president were all zooming okay and agreed that the 12 team college football playoff format will have five teams regardless of record ranked one through five because they are all conference champions. They will be ranked one through five, and then there's seven at-large bids, and whoever's the lowest ranked of the five will not have a bye week. 
They'll be the ones as the five seed hosting the 12th seed, the lowest seeded at large. They're calling it five plus seven. It was six plus six, but uh, the Pac-12 kind of, what's the word for it, went kablooey. And well, then who's the fifth conference now? Uh, it, they, they're not naming it. They're, 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 it's kind of going to be whoever's the highest ranked of, of the mosh pit of the other, you know, Conference USA, American Athletic Conference, oh, Mountain West, Sunbelt, or Mid-At. So, because oh. there's a chance that a champion of one of the four power four conferences finishes ranked below the top champion from one of those. Hmm. For instance, in 2021, Cincinnati was undefeated, but the ACC champion Pitt Panthers had two losses. In this case, Cincinnati will be ranked lower than hmm. the ACC champion. I see. So, okay. as usual, they're kind of giving you a heads up to try and make it clear, but it's not completely Somebody clear. might get screwed. Because <laughs> there's four buys, and then there's going to be a, a, a first round of five versus 12, right. six versus 11, and so on and so forth, right. while the top four seeds chill out. So, again, like I keep pointing out to my Ohio State friends, pardon me, the Ohio State friends were like, hey, listen, our collective was on fire. We kept a whole bunch of players, and then we got a whole bunch of transfers, and we are coming to beat Michigan's ass this November. And I'm like, okay, if that's what you say, obviously when Tom eats ball, you'll be just as nervous as me, or I'll be less nervous because guess what? It's not going to be do or die. You know what? You think you don't think the second place or third place Big Ten team would be in the mix for one of these seven at large? Totally. And Washington State and and Oregon State, you know, the ones left behind for the Pac-12, they're the ones who were saying, hey, you know, if we're not going to be potentially one of those teams, like, because congratulations, one of those two is going to win the Pac-2 next year, whatever they're calling it. <laughs> Pac-2. But they're not, they're not going to be in <laughs> the mix them. for one of these top seeds. It was six and six. So they decided they weren't going to be in the mix for one of the top six. Right. So if they added an extra at-large bid, maybe that's the one that they can get. So they just, in their minds, by saying yes to this, improved their chances. And I'm sure Jay's point of view here is like, so, you know, what, what are we doing on this whole front? When the 10 commissioners and Notre Dame's president get together, maybe you should be talking about all the stuff we just talked about with Jay. Because this stuff just shows you this is a professional sports league. Twelve teams are making it. Yeah, it's, and, un, it's been unofficially. A and the regular season is make time. is being made less than. And I understand right. that that's been a lot of people's points of view is how they used to love the BCS and the arguments back in the day because every week meant something. You had to be undefeated to have a shot. Yeah. But this is the way of the world right now. So great, Ohio State snapping its three-game losing streak to Michigan, congrats, you get a bye. And I guess Michigan might get a home date in in the uh, right. big house right. in the opening round against, what, like a, a 10 seed, an 11 seed, a 12 seed? That's the way of the world right now in college football. And Jay's point of view is like, hey, guess what? At some point, everyone's going to have a contract and everyone's going to have a collectively bargained fee and this is the way it's going to go. And if you want to transfer, there's a buyout clause and some other team might not pay it. It's called professionalizing the system. Mm. Long time coming. How about him saying all the coaches that are complaining about the relationships are are tough to have? 
when kids are coming in a transfer portal or leaving in a transfer portal. And he's just like, you want relationships? Go coach in high school. <laughs> I just love the way Jay just plainly puts it out there for people to understand that this can be done today by the NCAA. And they're just holding on to the sense of amateurism, as he called it, which is dead. Anybody wonders about amateurism? This is basically what, like a 16, potentially 17-game schedule for teams? Because they're not getting rid of conference championships. Those games are going to determine who gets a bye. Right, and that's game 12 or 13 right. in, in most cases. And, and, in the, now, and in the Big Ten now, it's not going to be the winner of one of the lesser divisions getting a shot at some team that's undefeated like it's been in the last few years. It's going to be the top two teams. Michigan could play Ohio State. Pardon me, the Ohio State. The loser winds up just being the away team in the conference championship game the following week, and even that game isn't an elimination game because the loser just has to play a game the next week, and the winner goes on a bye. So you could play each other maybe three times yeah, in potentially. a season? Yeah, Just oy, like, by the oy. way, where have you heard that before? The NFL. Right. That's Jay's point. This conversation was being had while we were talking about professionalizing the sport with Jay. Man, talk about crystallizing a point. Bill Bradley, hour two coming up. And by the way, I'm, I'm just using my personal rivalry as an example. This could happen between, name it. Name Alabama and Georgia. Well, they don't play each other during the regular season. My bad. Um, who else? Name it. Texas and A&M. Could, could be. Oh, by the way, I've been told Alabama and Georgia play each other this year in the regular season. What happened there? Did lightning strike somewhere? Oh, in Alabama. Oh, okay, great. I don't know why you act like this. I don't know. I'm not acting like anything. <laughs> you are. You, I'm acting I'm, I'm every myself. single time. I'm being myself. You know how the schedule is made and how far in advance it's made. Mm -hmm. They have divisions in the SEC. I don't know why you make me defend the SEC all the time. Because you like defending the SEC. You like it. Because it's the best conference in the uh -huh. college football. Not this year. <laughs> Not this year, sir. One team sent Nick Saban into retirement, and that team was from the Big Ten. Sent into retirement. Yes, indeed. Okay. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Yes, and then well, if you want credit for that, after creating the job opening, sent the guy to Alabama <laughs> to fill it from the Big Ten, same school. That's the through line. Not this year, SEC. Not the best. Big Ten's the best. And any hey, this year, and Ohio State fans, you got a cape for it, right? That's the conference, right? Oh. Am I living my best life? You sure are. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.